This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, the sous chef of the garden back He's in back. action here. Welcome yeah. back, Franklin. Thank you very much, Charlie. My I, God, you look amazing. Well, I'll tell you, we just baked down there in Florida. I, I was there for 19 days. Shirley's still there. Oh, my goodness. So enjoying the sunshine, at least. Well, a, a cold snap had started to move through just as I was leaving. Well, it's a yeah. nice warm snap and moving through here. Yeah, Your timing is We're good. Good stuff here for the next couple of days anyway. Yeah, eight, nine degrees the Whoa, next few days. Oh, alrighty, time Just to celebrate. Kind of like Florida. Yeah, yeah. I love your, the choice of clothing. Well, you, thank you. For those yes. of you watching oh, on the web, yeah. he's got the nice little bit of white to showcase the, 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 tan. the beautiful tan. Yeah. And then a beautiful rosy kind of... Peachy. It looks color. like maybe, uh, say, knockout roses. I was gonna... one, of, one of our friends down there showed me a picture. And, and, You're I, so funny. You know, these, these roses are terrific. You they talk are about terrific. Them, yeah. They are terrific. The knockout rose, just yeah. the way it sounds K N O C K. It's a, a series of roses that I said to you, they're not that new, but I know it's a go to the knockout website. Sure enough, celebrating 20 years of oh, knockout. Oh, goodness me. Yeah. It all started with a red and they moved into some That's, pinks yeah. and peaches and Oh, I had I've had great Gorgeous. success with these roses. I am um, one of my all time favorite roses. Well, groups. you know, one of my favorite little wants or wants yes, is darling. to say hi and a shout out to folks who are newly tuned in to the Garden Show. That would be our neighbor Sean ah. Sean Freeman. Welcome, Sean. Uh, uh, yeah, and he he has been checking in on the cabin for us when we've been away. Right, and as well, he's my computer guy. <laughs> and I got I got up last night. I, oh, turned I don't know the, if I want to hear I couldn't, this. I, oh, I couldn't turn the computer on. I, I don't know. What the hell I've done? But anyway, he's. I think he'll nineteen take care of me. days of holidays will do that to you, Frank. It's probably you have yeah. to press a button or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am such a dweeb when it comes to that stuff. Anyway, we're here for the yes. garden show, and we want to talk to all sorts of folks about all sorts of things. And uh, the person you're going to be addressing your questions to is a master gardener, so she knows her onions. Okay. Uh, in Toronto, here's the number to call: four one six three six zero zero seven forty. Then anywhere in the the province. It is toll-free, 1-866-744-740. And uh, I'll ask you to kind of repeat along with me our little mantra. Call early, call often, one question per call. And if you happen to be a first-time caller, let Carlos know, our operator. He'll pass it on along to me. And when you, just before you hit the airwaves... You, you get the garden wings. That, which is the magical bell that you always take on holidays with well, you. I know. It came back looking well, as good as you. Yeah, it did. We it had did. to make it up, you know, when, when we got <laughs> You're first going ding Exactly, no exactly. Oh, oh, my God. Lovely. <clears throat> okay, a couple of things going on. And sure. one is today. So mm. today, beautiful day to get outside. Opens at 10 o'clock this morning. So listen to the show. Get out to the Toronto Botanical Gardens. 10 to 3 today is Get the Jump on Spring. Well, oh, they, couldn't it right. come up? 
up with a better uh, a better day for this event. It's an annual right. one day event, mm-hmm. free admission to all. I think they do take donations to the food bank, but otherwise, you know, you're good to go to walk in the door. Um, Lots going on in there. So you can pick up cool stuff, talk to experts, listen to some presentations. It's also seedy Saturday. So there's that seed swap thing Mm -hmm. going on. Yep. Um, Yeah. Lots. So this is 10 to 3 today. Only today. There's 50 plus exhibitors set up, whether it's a Hort Society. like For example, Sean Patil was here last week. Right. And Sean said he will be there today. And he was planning to be sitting on the... God. <laughs> the, <laughs> what na- the stage. <laughs> yeah. The, no, no, the Native Plant Society oh, okay. table. I think it was a Native Plant. But either way, he's a Native yeah. Plant guy. So if you see a Native Plant signage, go and you know, Sean will be there and chat him up. A uh, couple other things. Another CD Saturday is March the 7th in London. The Middlesex Master Gardeners are presenting from 10 until 3 at the Caring Heights Optimist Community mm-hmm. Center. Which is at 656 Elizabeth Street in London. And again, it's a, it's an event. It's a marketplace full of vendors, seeds, supplies, garden decor, um, experts filling the day with speakers and <clears throat> lots of enthusiasts to meet and to, yeah, get jazzed up. Spring is in the air. You know, it's, it's just around the corner, isn't it? Eh? Well, I hope so. I mean, yeah, we know well, what happens in March sometimes, yeah, or quite yeah. often. But nevertheless, it's uh, yeah. it's looking just so pretty right now, and this is just a gorgeous weekend. So you want to get out if you can. One more thing, Monday, March 9th, from 8 p.m. to 9.30 p.m., the Agent Court Garden Club invites you to join them. Their speaker is Katie Turnbull, and she's going to show, teach about the Meadowway Extension. These guys are well-known for their desserts, so check them out mm. at the Knox United Christian Education Centre, 2575 Midland at Shepherd. Okay, and all that brings us to our first break in the show. We're going to return and say uh, hi to Molly, who's calling in from Etobicoke and waiting patiently on the line, but those lines are open. There are open lines right now, so hey, would be a terrific time for you to dial one of our numbers in Toronto, 416-360-0740, or from out of town, anywhere in the province, 1-866-744-740. Back in a moment, here with The Garden Show and Charlie Dobbin. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, Dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, forks, hollyhocks, tulips, and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, my friends. Uh, let's check in with Molly, who is calling in from Etobicoke. Good morning, Molly. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Frank. I, I I'm just wanted to ask Charlie if she would answer me a question sure, about sure. Sure, go ahead. I have ants in my kitchen, mm-hmm. and I don't know where they're coming from, but there's lots of them, and I just wondered if you had, a, you know, something to get rid of. Yeah, so are they the little tiny ones? Not so much tiny, sort of mid. Mid, okay. Mm. Uh, all right, so, and you're seeing them now at this time of year? Yes, and, and quite... I, I get always get them in the spring. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so 
All right, I'm not an ant specialist, but uh, what I do know about ants is, of course, they do build nests, and their nests are typically underground. It is possible that there is an ant nest either beneath your foundation or near the foundation of your home, and as soon as things start to warm up a tiny bit, the ants get active, because otherwise they're just, you yeah. know, it's cold, they, they go to sleep. Now, yeah. they are very attracted to anything that's dead, so dead toast crumbs and dead bits of anything. They are scavengers. Ants are actually very, very good. They clean up the world for us. So they are coming in and they're taking away whatever little bits of dead stuff they can find. Things are. Yeah. um, Now, what uh, one thing I find that has worked well for me uh, in the past are just the little simple ant traps, those round Are those little round ones? Yeah, the orange and white ones. Uh, Yes. I I didn't know if they were any good. They are. I would get some immediately. Now, when you take them home, you do have to punch the holes in the sides. They don't come pre-punched, so that that can be a little bit challenging, just because you don't want to hurt yourself while you're punching the holes. I don't want... Uh, anything is better than an ant. <laughs> and then you put them where you're seeing the ants, because they are walking a trail. You will see them going in two different directions, uh, because they're uh, coming out and going back, and you lay them along that trail. And if you pay really close attention, you'll be able to see where they're coming into your house. But it might be, you know, under a cupboard or furniture or something. But lay, put them down, put a number of them down, and you will lower that population dramatically. And Molly, keep your ears open, too. If you hear sawing and hammering, those would be carpenters. Ants. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not doing anything like that. Yeah, I mean, and then, of course, if this still continues to be a problem and it's bothering you extensively, you can call a pest control company to come and not only identify the kind of ant, as Frank points out, could be, uh, you know, if you had a lot of wood in your basement, uh, carpenter ants, uh, but it, uh, either way, like me, no. either way, they, they will use the appropriate pesticide and eliminate the nest. It's all about the nest, right? Oh, Charlie, thank you very much. I really wanted to know about those little things, you know, the little (laughs) pots. Yeah, yeah, they work. Yep. I will get a million of them. Okay, (laughs) good luck. Let us know how that works out. Thank you, Molly. Have a great weekend, okay? And keep it tuned right here to Zoomer Radio AM 740. Because this is where all the cool people are. Well, exactly. (laughs) Let's go to Barry and say hi to Chris. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Great, thank you. Good morning, Chris. Yeah, I got a quick question for you. I know there's a lot of people waiting. A couple weeks ago, uh, when the tree guy was on there, and I thought I caught the part where you said that uh, garden hose and wire isn't a good thing to brace a tree with. The, you know what? It's not. It used to be. Well, but, I've, I've used it for 20 years. Yeah. I couldn't understand what the problem is. So you know what the problem is? There's nothing wrong with garden hose and wire. The problem is, is that many people will... Plant a tree, use the garden hose and wire, and then forget to remove it. Oh, and then it grow well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. grow and into the tree. It That's will. Right. And of course, we also know that staking trees isn't really good for the trees. We 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 want to minimize the length of time we stake. So you know, one season is okay. One growing season is okay. So the trend now in the ties when we do mm-hmm. our planting and staking, is to use a a biodegradable uh, product like a strip of burlap. So a strip of burlap, you twist it. Only lasts so long. Exactly. It just degrades. And then, you know, the tree is saved from being overstaked or Uh overtied, and you don't have to think about it. So that's why nowadays it's it's more about just burlap twisted almost like into a rope and then tied in a knot. Yeah, yeah, well, that's yeah, that's not a problem. No, I've yeah. used it for an awful lot of my fruit trees and oh, stuff. Yeah. And then after a year or so, I just take it down because then it's growing the way I want it to. Perfect. Yeah. No, that's fine. It's just I can't tell you.
you how many times I've been on people's properties where they bought the property from somebody else mm-hmm. and somebody else planted trees and buried in amongst that spruce tree are all these big old rusty well, I know I've got a lot of wood in my time and I know I've hit everything from horseshoes to steel fence <laughs> posts in a tree. Exactly. Amazing what trees will put up with, right? <laughs> okay, thanks a lot. Hey, hey, welcome. Thanks, thanks, thanks for Chris. calling. All righty. Uh, that, by the way, leaves a lot of lines open here. So if you had uh, an occasion in the passing, uh, I'd love to call the garden show, but gosh, they're always busy. Not right at the moment. So give a call. In Toronto, 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll free, one 866 740-4740. Uh, earlier in the show, we were talking about knockout roses, and you have some observations about that particular breed, and we'll get well, to in just a couple of moments. Well, but what you said... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. What do we have, we to, have to take a break oh, right we now. Do. Right, we okay. do. And then just we'll come back. Just cut me off. I, well, like, offer me something, and then... job. Just, yeah, and muzzle I, me. And I just love it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> back in a moment with Charlie Dobbin here on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, Charlie. Let's head back to those phone lines, and there is Marianne calling maybe from just around the corner here in Toronto. Good morning, Marianne. Uh, Good morning. Morning. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Um, How are you? Great. Excellent. Um, well, I can hardly wait for spring, and I heard your last caller had uh, problems with ants. Mm-hmm. I brew my pot of coffee every morning with real coffee grounds, mm-hmm. and I have found um, great success with putting the used coffee grounds mm-hmm. uh, at the uh, under the. Uh, by the, by the doors, right, right where it's, the cracks and crannies are. Yes, huh. and, outside. Yes, and hmm. even on the threshold. Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't had, I've had good success with that. I the ants just seem to go avoid. around. They don't want to walk through coffee grounds. Oh, is that Sorry. right? Yeah, they don't Sorry. want to walk through the coffee grounds. No, yeah. they don't. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's free because you <laughs> make them, you know, yeah. constantly. Mm-hmm. So you know, you could try that. It's a good idea. I like it. And if you once you've tired of looking at the coffee grounds outside your doors and thresholds, sweep them up and then toss those grounds out into the garden, and they will add wonderful organic matter to your garden as well. Exactly. I do that with hydrangeas or any acid-loving mm. plants. Good idea. So, anyway. Love it. Love the tips. Keep them coming. Okay. Can't <laughs> wait for spring. Exactly. <laughs> you, you're not you. alone there, Marianne, for Thanks, sure. Marianne. Thank you very much for joining us here on a Saturday morning where it's an absolutely beautiful day. I can't see a cloud in the sky as I'm looking out the windows here uh, over uh, Liberty Street in uh, Liberty Village. Uh, I'm counting the days. Yeah. Are you? Yeah, me too. Oh, boy. Thanks for you calling, Marianne. Thanks. Thanks, Marianne. Um, Bye. Bye-bye. And now, now, Carlos says we have Joan on the line. Let's oh, see if we right. can connect to Joan. All righty. Uh, see if Joan is there. Uh, okay. Good morning, Joan. No, not no, yet. No, not yet. Okay. But you brought up knockout oh, roses. Oh, yeah, 
You had a point to, to mention well, about that particular Well, first breed. make the point you said, which is they don't look like... No, they don't. Like what? Like, like, almost carnations, uh, uh, in my mind. In your mind. So they don't look like traditional no. hybrid teas. Yeah. So they're not the big tall buds. They're not that beautiful silhouette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no fragrance really attached to them. But what they do have is some really, really great qualities. One is they are completely resistant to diseases. So you don't have black spot. You don't have yellow leaves all over the place. You don't have mildews growing on these roses. So clean and clear. Wow. When they start blooming, which they will start doing when traditionally roses bloom, yeah. it might be June, it might be May, there'll be lots and lots of blooms. But instead of treating them like, you know, coddling them like we have our roses mm-hmm. in the past, we treat the knockout roses like a flowering shrub. So they will start to bloom and you just enjoy their blooms and you leave them alone. They'll keep blooming all summer. Leave them alone. They'll keep blooming all fall. No kidding. Leave them alone. Up till Christmas, up till really cold, wet weather, they are covered in blooms. Wow. Amazing. So then now you've enjoyed them a bright, beautiful. Now they can grow, some of them can grow as much as a meter tall. So some are smaller, but they're roughly, you know, three feet by three feet Mm. when they're mature. In the spring, get out your loppers, lop them down. That's all you do. Once a year, lop them down and leave them alone the rest of the time. And what about fertilizer? Anything always there? nice to be adding good organic matter to your soil. You'll always have much happier, healthier plants when we add compost, whether it's homemade or purchased, yep. you know, composted manure. So those kinds of things are all good. And, and as far as watering is concerned, you let Mother Nature sort of take care of things? I do. Or? I mean, when I first plant anything, I water and mm-hmm. care for that plant early in its, in its life in my garden. So trees, we really pay attention for the first two to three three seasons. We water deeply as required. Roses, you know, two years, the first two years after that, leave them alone. But make sure it's sunny location, good quality soil, and, you know, well-drained and, uh, and like I said, amended with good organic matter. Alrighty. I'm not quite sure who is next on line, to be honest oh, okay. with you. It sounds like Joan is on the line again, well, maybe. Well, alright, let's, let's try again here. Hi, Joan, good morning. Good morning. We kind of got lost there. Yeah, no that's worries. okay. Good. Okay, I called you just over a year ago, Charlie, about my orchids, how the, the flower stems they had died right off so I cut them down mm-hmm. um, they continue to bloom because I have about 11 leaves on them they're good mm-hmm. um, I want to know about should I repot it and should I cut off some of that uh, those roots that are at the top no do not touch those roots. Okay. okay. <laughs> How long have you had the orchids in the pots they're in now? Um, um, three years Okay, so you are getting to that point where it does become appropriate to potentially repot. What are they growing in? Are they growing in bark? Or are they growing in like a moss or bark? Bark. Okay. So you just missed the the. Where are you calling from, Joan? Burlington. Oh, from Burlington. Oh, you know what? There's an orchid show at the Royal Botanical Gardens coming up. Oh, good. Okay, you know I'm gonna have to look that up because I don't know exactly when it is, but that's a great spot to go if you're looking to purchase some orchid bark, perhaps because you mm-hmm. might need some of that. When you repot an orchid, you repot it into the same media that it's currently growing in. Okay. So you're gonna want to get a hold of some orchid bark, which you can purchase at the orchid show or at a at a garden center. Mm-hmm. You also want a very specific kind of a pot. It's not just a regular plastic mm-hmm. or clay pot. It's a pot with extra holes in it. Oh. Um, orchids are not. Not, 
were never evolved to live in soil or in the ground. Mm-hmm. They live up in trees. Yeah. So they like all that gas. They like all that air exchange. And that's where those pots with all those holes come in. And that's why you never cut those roots off that are up at the surface because they are doing a whole exchange of um, air and gas, oxygen, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera, from, through, their, um, through their roots. Mm-hmm. And now, is it time to repot it? It might be. If it's not flowering right now, now would be a good time to repot. It hasn't flowered for over a year. Over a year, yeah. So now would be a good time. Now, it always sets orchids back a bit, I find, when I repot, so they kind of sit there mm-hmm. for a few months. But that's fine. Um, we are getting to the time where we will be fertilizing. Get a hold of a good orchid fertilizer, not a regular miracle grow, but an actual orchid fertilizer. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Uh, do you have a specific one in mind? I use one that's made by Plant Products. Um, hmm, I can't remember the de- the numbers on it, and I'm not even sure where you would buy it. It's, the thing about fertilizer, it doesn't go bad. So I've had mm-hmm. some of my fertilizers for 20 years. Is um, it liquid or No, what? it's a powder. So it's a mix with water powder. As long as it doesn't get wet. Yes, right. right. Yeah. So I, I fill up a pail with water, and I put in the correct amount of fertilizer. I let it sit overnight. Mm-hmm. And then I take my orchids, and then I, dun- I dunk them down into this pail of water. Mm-hmm. So And that way they really get a good thorough saturation with this fertilized water and then back into their uh, northern and eastern windows. Uh, and then I take all my other flowering plants and, and they get the rest of it. Oddly enough, I do have it sitting in a northeast uh, window mm-hmm. and it's the, the brightest room. It doesn't get direct sun, but Good. It, yeah. it is the brightest room in the house. Well, if you've got that many leaves on it, you're doing something very right because that's excellent. I don't know I'm, doing, but I'm doing something. Yeah, no, but that's excellent. When an orchid is holding yeah. that many leaves, you do, you, your temperature is obviously good, your humidity is good, your watering is fine, all of that is a good indication. Good. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling. All right. Thank you very much indeed, Marianne. Uh, George from Newmarket, next online. Good morning, George. Morning, Charlie. Hey, good morning, George. I have a couple of U plants at the front of my house. One's a Hicks U, and it's about eight foot tall. Mm-hmm. And all the interior needles on these things have uh, dropped off. You mm-hmm. can see right through them. Mm-hmm. Is there anything I can do about it? Oh, you can be pretty mean to that plant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mean's not the right word. You can rejuvenate that plant. The way I would do it, it's eight feet tall at the front of your house. Is it like a pyramidal shape, or what shape is it? Well, one's eight, eight foot tall, the Hicks U, and the other one's more like a five foot five by five foot. Okay. And they're all dropping all interior leaves. Right. Well, the, okay. The needles. Right. So, I mean... The hicks used tend to grow as a tall, narrow plant. They're often yeah. used for hedging. Uh, and there's different ewes that have different growth habits. So that's why mm. you'll see them as, uh, pruned into many shapes. You'll see them as pyramids, as round balls, as square hedges. Yeah, one, one, one's mine's square and the other one's really, really tall. Yeah. Um, two things I would do. One is I would look really closely, a bit hard to look now. I mean, use if what direction does the front of your house face? North. North. Okay, so that's good. If a U is under an awful lot of stress and strain, it can end up with some insect infestations, which can cause that defoliation. But U's are very forgiving of hard pruning. So when you prune up a U very, very hard, new growth will, believe it or not, you will get new green needles growing on that old woody, those old woody stems. Now, it's not magical and doesn't happen overnight, but it will happen over a period of time, assuming that we don't have an insect infestation and also that you have done everything in your power to make sure the soil around those plants is in good condition. So you've added composted manure, uh, you know, the various things to, to make sure it's a, a reasonably fertile 
fertile, well-drained soil. Ewes do not need direct sunlight, so north is fine in terms of direction. But you need to kind of like look at the environment they're in. If it's so old and so not attractive, you might even consider taking out that Hicks U and starting fresh, depending on sort of... 20 years old. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, like, we all know that it's appropriate to repaint our dining rooms every 10 years to freshen them up. But we don't always all know that it's appropriate to replace some plants every 20 years to freshen them up. They're just getting old. They get old, they get overgrown. If they haven't been pruned properly, then they just, they aren't doing the front of our house any favors at all. How far would you cut them back if you cut it? Well, believe it or not, not today, but in the next six weeks, you could cut that plant back by up to a half. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) With sharp tools on a dry day. Right? Sharp okay. tools. You don't want jagged cuts. You want this plant to be able to heal those those wounds. You're going to be wounding it Is when you're pruning. Is there something as you're cutting that you wipe that blade with? Uh, not, no. No. So that's a good point. Sometimes we talk about sort of sterilizing our pruners. Yep. That's when we're moving from plant to plant. Oh, when okay. you're only working yeah. on one plant, there's there's nothing you can... There's no point, right? So After you cut you the fit, height down by half? You can. And you can... It's amazing what you can do. And now, if, if that plant has vigor and health, meaning it's got no sort of serious infestation going on in terms of an insect because there are scale insects that are little um, white insects will get on there there's so look closely before you kind of go crazy you may want to start by making sure it's as healthy as like good to go in terms of health and then the cutting it back in the spring will like wham a whole bunch of new growth will come mm. but get out that composted manure and that will feed that new growth well try that all right let me know how that works okay thanks very much thanks, <laughs> thanks, thanks George. for calling yeah uh, up in the new market area yeah. where, where i live as a matter of fact i I meant not to ask him. Far. Well, not far at all, yeah. no. Uh, temp was about minus two when I left this morning, which wasn't that bad, really. And it looks like we're shaping up to a beautiful day here I, in Toronto. Yeah, I think the way we were talking about wind show, making it feel yeah. a little cooler. But if you're in the sun, woof, <laughs> it's gorgeous. You could almost think oh, you're in Florida. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, we have to take another little bit of a break here. Okay. But we're looking forward to saying hi to Chris, who calls in from Stroud. I don't know whether I recognize that. Mm. I wonder if he's first or she is a first. First-time caller. We'll find out in moments here on Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, we're off to Stroud, Ontario. There's Chris on the line. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. How are you today? Good, thanks. Morning. Good morning. I have a question for you, Charlie, please. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, I have a large veggie garden in my backyard, and this year I wanted to start from seeds inside my house, mm-hmm. try and save a few dollars. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, when should I start these veggie plants, and uh, and is there any sort of process? I did this years ago, and I set, I planted them to, uh, outside, mm-hmm. without, I believe it's hardening them up or whatever, Yep. and uh, I killed them all. Okay. All right. So uh, seed starting is a very species specific. So we can't just kind of say on this date, I will start all my seeds indoors. Um, So keep that in mind, depending on what plants it is you're hoping to grow, just in kind of in a nutshell, there are some vegetables that are what we call coal crops and they handle the cold temperatures like peas and beans. And those we direct seed outside 
I mean, often in April or you know, in mid mid April yeah. when it's still pretty chilly outside, and they are very happy to grow in the cold. Then there's um, vegetables that are, love the heat. Tomatoes come to mind. Eggplants, mm. yeah. peppers. We never start them outside because it, by the time it's warm enough to put start the seeds outside, we won't get any tomatoes till December. So we yeah. start those indoors, and we will start those usually um, um, around now, end of February, mid March. Uh, Okay. Depending on what the environment is we have for seed starting. So keep in mind you're going to need clean, sterile seed starting mix, clean, sterile containers to grow them in, um, probably some supplemental lighting because once those seeds germinate, which some of them do fairly quickly, they will get very thin and very sparse and very leggy if they are growing with insufficient light. Uh, So, you know, if you have some kind of supplemental lighting, then you can start, you know, in mid-March, no problem. But if you don't have supplemental lighting, then you'll put it off till the end of March. Hardening off refers to a process of taking those soft, tender little baby seedlings that we've nurtured inside our homes, out to the real world, gently. If we just take them out and leave them out overnight, the very first night, you're absolutely right. They'll all keel over and die because they're just so soft and so nurtured. Fragile. Mm. Yeah, fragile, exactly. So hardening off, is a. it takes about 10 days where we go in and out with our little seedlings. Uh, first, we protect them from the sun and the wind. And we take them out for an hour or two in the afternoon. We just, you know, inside again, back out the next day for another hour or two, slowly introducing them to the real world of real wind and real sun. Because obviously, most of these vegetables are going to be growing in full sun in our gardens. Okay. Uh, yes. So, all right. So I got that part. I, I did purchase it. Uh, I got a grow stand. Okay, good. Good. Last, last year, I tried it with this a tiny greenhouse thing that I had mm. by the sliding glass door, but... Mm. I, I was told that wasn't enough sunlight. Right. Enough so yeah. I got the supplemental lighting going. So Yeah. So okay. just depending on what you're, you know, things like carrots, we generally direct seed outside because mm. to try and transplant carrots is crazy. You know, onions, <clears throat> Any of the root crops, we typically direct seed. All the, the lettuces and kales, again, we direct seed. We don't start those indoors generally. Uh, it's only uh, the, the really set, the real heat-loving crops. Like, say you love cantaloupe or watermelon or something like that, you'll start that indoors. Okay, okay. now I'm going to go start uh, tomatoes and mm-hmm. uh, peppers and that type of yeah. things first. Well, My wife actually wants me to try it doing some petunias so she can oh, have yeah. those too. So. All right, so take a look at the petunia packages. I think, I could be wrong, but I think that if you want to get flowers on petunias this summer, you needed to plant the seeds about a month ago. About a month ago, yeah. really? Yeah, so many of the flowering annuals have a very long process to produce flowers. So double okay. check before you spend a lot of energy in, in starting petunias. Like re, It'll tell you right on the package. Days to germination, and then it'll talk about you know when the best time to plant is. Okay, okay. Charlie, thank you very much. Thanks for calling, Chris. Good luck with all that. Yeah, exactly. Um, he, hey, wait, I just want to yes, say one yes. thing. Uh, Joan called from Burlington about orchids, remember, mm-hmm. a few yep. minutes ago? I had a moment there in our break to di- discover that, uh, Joan, your timing is perfect. If you want orchid information or orchid supplies or any advice about orchids, in your area, Burlington, Hamilton area, the Royal Botanical Gardens is hosting the Orchid Society Spring Show and Sale next Saturday. There and you are. And Sunday. All right. All day. 10 to 5, both days. So, Jump on that opportunity and talk to some experts if you wish to, and uh, and yeah, get whatever you need in the way of pots and, and good stuff. Good tip there, Charlie. Thank you. Um, 
We have a lady online who is a first-time caller, Dora. Uh, just a second here. Where are you calling from, Dora? From Scarborough. Scarborough. Ah, good morning. Well, welcome to the show. Morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. Great to be on the show with you. Yeah, happy you called. My problem is my oxalis. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, when I plant them, they just go crazy. Yeah. And I have to separate them. Right. But the last time I did, nothing. One strictly little thing mm. comes up mm. and dies down. So you have like a mother pot. So just for people who are not sure what oxalis is, it's a shamrock. Looks like four-leaf clover. Oh, okay. So, and it can be quite ornamental. The oxalis come with purple leaves, come with green leaves with sort of red blush on them. So a, a nice, easy indoor plant generally. It's a tender plant. It doesn't go outside. They grow from tiny little bulbs. So, Dora, what have you got? You've got like a, a mother, like a pot, and then you separate out and make more pots? Yes. So, if they collapsed, it's likely too much water. This is a plant that is, those little tiny bulbs are very easy to cause them to rot. So depending on the temperature in, they're in, right, we're, sometimes we're, we're saving energy, we're turning our thermostats down, and if the soil is moist and cold, then the, the little bulbs will rot. So it's, it's a fine line in the winter when we propagate plants to kind of find the right light levels, temperature levels, moisture levels uh, to be successful. But if you try now with the longer days, warmer temperatures, in incredible sun coming in our windows, you might have better success than you did in the winter. I thought if I had new soil, it might help. Like fresh, sterile potting mix? Always, always, you'll always have better success with clean, sterile starting materials, whether it's media or pots. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Don't reuse and never, of course, try to plant uh, gar- using garden soil in our pots. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. So it's always a potting mix or a soilless mix. But yeah, not a bad idea. Fresh. Or if you have a lot of used kicking around, you can bake it. You can stick it in the oven, 400 degrees. Oh, but not even that high. Like actually, nowadays, I'd have to double check that. But you can sterilize your soil with heat over a, a period of time. I will double check that if you keep listening. Oh. Uh, I'll see if I can give you that tip today. If not, I'll give it to you next week. Be great. Okay. Thank Thank you very much, Dora. Don't be a stranger. Door's always open now that you've broken that, you know, first-time caller thing. (laughs) Yeah, and got your wings. Exactly. Um, We have to take another little break here, our final break of the show. But we continue, of course, with more calls. Judy, in fact, on the line from Stratford. So we'll uh, trod the boards momentarily here (laughs) on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Judy and Stratford, hold tight just a moment. Charlie has been busy that entire break <laughs> doing some research, and she says, oh, I've got to, I've got to say this Just first. go back to Dora. Okay. Dora was right. wondering, could she yes. reuse her potting soil yeah. and sterilize it in the process? So on the web, there's many suggestions on how to sterilize using microwaves, pressure cookers. Steam is the traditional. That's how the growers did it, with steam heat. It, but in a regular oven, <clears throat> here's what you do. 
You get yourself an oven-proof casserole dish. Okay. Uh, you put some soil, some of that potting mix, about four inches or uh, 10 centimeters of the potting mix into your casserole dish. Then you add water. So not you don't want to um, have it soaking wet, but you want it moist. Cover the whole thing in foil. Stick it in an oven. Stick in a thermometer, preferably if you have a candy thermometer. Uh, and then bake it. Bake it of uh, 200 degrees Fahrenheit for at least 30 minutes. You want the temperature of that soilless mix to be at 82 degrees Celsius or 180 degrees Fahrenheit in order to kill everything. Huh. Don't overbake it because you can then cause problems for yourself. But you bake baking for minimum thirty minutes up to one hundred eighty degrees. You're you're now back to a sterile soil. Well, there you go. Good there tip. There you go. Alrighty. So now it's back to our phone lines and to Stratford we go. There is Judy. Good morning, Judy. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. I have a question about romaine lettuce. Mm-hmm. We've seen where you can start it from the bottom part. Oh yeah. So we took it and put it in water, and the leaves are now three, four inches. Mm, nice. So anyhow, last year we tried doing this. We put it in dirt, and it just rotted. <sighs> just leave it in water, or is there something else we can do? Huh. Okay, that's a good question. You can, either way, it's ultimately, I was going to say it's ultimately going to rot. Um, see, that's the problem with water. Water works as long as you change it mm-hmm. regularly, because otherwise it gets all full of algae and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the interesting thing is when we start, things in water, whether it's cuttings or in this case, the the stub of the romaine plant, the roots that grow are roots that are attuned to the water environment. When you take it out of the water and put that plant into a soil, different roots will have to grow. And that's why it rotted. It just, it was in that, that transition between that water environment to the soil environment. It's super easy to, to overwater in that process. Ultimately, you're going to have a better plant if you can get it into a pot with potting mix in it. There's no roots on it. Oh, well, this... And, and last year when we did it, too, there was no roots on it, and that's why we wondered if that's why it rotted when we put yeah, it in the dirt. Yeah, 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 and the leaves are about four inches high. Yep. Huh. Okay, that's a good question. I am not positive what's the best way. I mean, right now it's doing fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the with the, the little cut end is hovering in the water, mm-hmm. and leaves are growing out of the top. Have you harvested any for a sandwich yet? Not yet, but soon. <laughs> <laughs> BLTs, here we go, yeah, right? Oh boy. So, um, all right. Well, what I would do is leave it the way you've got it. Leave that with me. It's funny. I, there was an article I just saw out of the corner of my eye. An article somewhere, and the headline was all about that. Was don't throw away the tops of your carrots, the mm-hmm. bottoms of your of your romaines, your pineapples. Grow them on. You know, keep going. Grow, you know, have get more to come up. So let me go back and find that article, and I will have to report back next week. On, but for now, leave it the way you've got it. Okay, thank you very okay. much. Thank you, Judy. Yeah, nice to have you on the show. Yeah. And hey, we're going to go international now. Oh, okay. Crap. Yeah, just across the border, maybe. It says New York on mm-hmm. my monitor here. Mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming New York State, not New York City. But Don, good morning. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Good morning. That's morning. Java Center. Ah, <laughs> uh, Java Center, New York. Java Center. Okay. Cool. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I have a problem with my spathophyllum. I've I've diagnosed it as Phytophthora. Okay. And my question to you is, I've been keeping it on the on the drier side now. I I had a, a huge plant. Mm-hmm. I cut it up. Mm-hmm. and I potted it up. Mm-hmm. So now I'm keeping it on the drier side. I'm picking off all of the uh, leaves that look look bad. Black. And my question is, 
can I uh, use a soil drench, a fungicide soil uh, drench? Uh, yes, if indeed that's what you need. So it was a big plant. <clears throat> you chopped it up. You put it into smaller plants. And this is a peace lily for people that don't know what spathiphyllum is. Okay. So there's the white flowers and big green leaves. Phytophthora is a very common uh, fungus. And it can be a problem for sure and cause black. You get a lot of black in yeah. it. Um, so what I'd be inclined to do, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a fungal drench, uh, following the instructions very clearly, using it at the right concentration at the right time. The other thing that might help you with minimizing fungal issues is make sure that plant's getting some light. It doesn't need direct light, but it needs a bright Mm -hmm. spot in the house. You're right about the lowering your watering, so water as necessary, but water as rarely as possible. And even do what you can to get some air circulation. So if you can run a little fan on them, or um, as the weather gets nicer, potentially put them out into the shade outside, I think you might find that would lower any kind of fungal issues as well. Excellent. Okay. Can, can you overuse a fungicide? What do you mean? Um, can can it become ineffective eventually? Should I be varying the different fungicides yes. that I use on it? Yes, always. Okay. Yep, yep. Well, Even so the growers do that. Just you, one. Yeah, huh? you never use the same fungicide. But keep in mind, you don't do them every day. You you at least a two week interval in between. But no, absolutely. That's how we avoid breeding for resistance. We change up our chemicals and make sure they really. It's not just a different manufacturer. The actual active ingredients are different. Okay, Don, we're, we're at our I'm final. Using a copper base. Okay, yeah, that's good. No copper base. It's the original fungicide is copper sulfate. We're, we're on our final thirty seconds yeah. of the show, well, Don. Thanks for thank calling. You. Thanks for calling. Okay. Yeah. Good and we'll story. Look having you back with us here on the Garden Show. From and we Sumer always Radio. welcome international callers. Exactly. It's so exciting. Yeah. I love it. I love <laughs> accents and all that. Yeah. So, my friend, what's up for you other well, than I'm moisturizing back. that beautiful tan so you well, don't lose it? thank you it? very much. Yes, <laughs> I shall be keeping the lights rather low in the studio because, you know, I'm so used to sunlight. Anyway, yeah, I'll be back 2 o'clock till 3.30 uh, live in the city yeah. with all sorts of great music and Good. fun and games. Of course. And uh, Frankie's Funny Bone, a uh, little oh. joke that I'll have for the folks. And since you've been away, I'm sure everybody's going to want to tune in yes. for that. They Thank you, by the way, to Normie you. Edwards, who filled in for me yeah. the last couple of weeks. Big, big heads up. Good job on Carlos, all by himself for the first time behind the board. Thank you very much. Great to see you back, Frank. Thank you. See Charlie. you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.